A reading from the book of Genesis, the 24th chapter. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his house, who had charge of all that he had had, Put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I live, but will go to my country and to my kindred and get a wife for my son Isaac. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all kinds of choice gifts from his master. And he set out and went to Aram Nahiram, to the city of Nahor. He made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water. It was toward evening, the time when women go out to draw water. I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you will only make successful the way I am going, I am standing here by the spring of water. Let the young woman who comes out to draw, to whom I shall say, Please give me a little water from your jar to drink. And he will say to me, Drink, and I will draw your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, there was Rebecca coming out with her jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew. I said to her, Please let me drink. And she quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will also water your camels. So I drank, and she watered the camels. Then I asked her, Whose daughter are you? She said, The daughter of Bethuel, the horse son, who Milcah bore him. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arms. Then I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord, and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me by the right way to obtain the daughter from my master's kinsman for his son. Now then, if you will deal loyally and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, tell me, so that I may turn either to the right hand or to the left. And they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? She said, I will. So they sent her, their sister Rebekah and her nurse along with Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, May you, our sister, become thousands of myriads, and may your offspring gain possession of the gates of their foes. Then Rebekah and her maids rose up, mounted the camels, and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Now Isaac had come from Beer Lahiroi, and was settled in Negev. Isaac went out in the evening to walk in the field, and looking up, he saw camels coming. And Rebekah looked up, and when she saw Isaac, she slipped quickly from the camel and said to his servant, Who is the man over there, walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent. He took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Listen to what the Spirit is saying. Thanks be to God. Grace to you and peace from God our Creator and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. As we continue our sermon series this summer on the book of Genesis, we are now ready to move to the generation following Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah's son, Isaac, is now a grown man, and it's time to follow God's promise to the next generation. Remember, the whole point of following the family tree of Abraham and Sarah is that God has promised to mend a broken world through ordinary people just like them and us. But to carry the work of mending the world to the next generation, Isaac must find a wife. 
And that's the subject of today's Bible story. Now, if you listen carefully to the story, you will realize that matchmaking in Genesis is quite different from the way we do things today. Isaac's parents sent a servant to find a wife for their son. So much for dating. I don't think our children today would approve of this biblical practice. I know my own daughter would object. While the story unfolds, the servant is not too scientific about how to find the right mate for Isaac. The servant simply says, God, the first woman who comes to the well to draw water will be the right one for Isaac. So, God, send the right one. This was an interesting way to make an important decision. But sometimes, don't we make decisions in similar ways? When we have a major decision to make, do we not sometimes say, God, just give me a sign, and I will know what to do? And the questions may be profound ones for us. What college should I attend? What person should I date? What career should I pursue? Should I move to a new house or apartment or city? What medical treatment should I use? How should I invest my money? What political party should I support? Should I confront my neighbor or should I just let it go? How do I decide end-of-life issues? Sometimes such questions leave us frozen. and We just want God to do it for us. It's like the joke that you've probably heard before. There was a young man on the roof of his house surrounded by floodwaters he prayed, God, save me from this flood. His neighbor paddled his canoe over, offered him help. No, God will save me. A water patrol sent a speedboat. No, God will save me. Next, a helicopter came. No, God will save me. When the young man went to heaven, he asked God, Why, God, did you not save me from the flood? And of course, God said, Well, I tried. You had the chance to get in the canoe, the speedboat, or the helicopter. The point of the joke, of course, is that we have to make our own decisions using the best information before us, and we have to do the work to discern what is the right course. Abraham and Sarah's servant did not want to do the hard work of discernment, so just said, God, do it for me. Well, of course. Sometimes God does give us dramatic signs. And you may have had such a sign of God's will in your life. But more often than not, I hear people say to me that they don't hear God's voice clearly enough. That they have not received a sign. How do I know God's will for me? A pastor friend of mine once shared with me that God is always speaking to us problem is that we're just not listening very carefully. Really, I said, hmm, tell me more. God's voice is always speaking to us in two ways, he said. One way is internal, the other way external. God's internal voice speaks through our conscience and our intuition and our peace of mind. He said, my daughter had to choose 
which college to attend. She did all the research and analysis that she should, but couldn't make up her mind. Until, when walking the campus of one of the schools that was in the running, she said, This one just feels right. It feels like home. God spoke to her interior self, and that's one of the ways God helps us make decisions. My friend also emphasized that the voice of God is not just internal in our conscience, it is also external. God often speaks through information and opportunities that present to us from the outside. It's like the guy on the roof, I suppose. He did not think the canoe or the boat or the helicopter were dramatic enough. But they were resources right there available to him all the time if he had used them, and they were of God in some ways. There are so many resources out there also for us to help in our decisions and our discernment of God's will in our lives. Think of all the things and ways that God speaks to us. God can speak to us through trusted friends and family. The Bible itself is filled with information and advice about how we are to live our lives and make our decisions. You may know the prophet Micah was once asked about how to live life. What, what did God expect of him? God's response was the famous passage, What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Jesus was asked about how to live life. His response, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. The Ten Commandments give wonderful guidance about how we are to make decisions in our own life. I even think back of the popular bracelet from the 1990s that had the letters WWJD. I see that as an external source of God's voice in our life, and I personally often use that. What would Jesus do in such a situation that I'm facing? Science, past experience, history, philosophy, expert opinion, all are part of God's external voice. And research on our part is how we listen to that voice. So what is a decision which confronts you today? How will you decide between all the options out there? What is God's will in your life? What is the process you will use to decide? Although it worked out for the servant of Abraham to simply rely on some dramatic sign from God, I can assure you that God also works less dramatically. To seek God's will in some decision, we first do all the research we can. God gives us the ability to hear God's external voice coming to us from all the sources outside of us. We listen to the advice of others. Maybe we write things down and prioritize things in columns. Then, second, we pray. We are still. We listen to our heart, for God is there. What is it that gives us peace of mind? What is it that seems to be holy and good? What would Jesus do? Finally, as we discern God's will, as we make our decisions, we make mistakes. But mistakes happen, and we can learn from them. God is at work in our lives when we make good decisions, and God is at work in our lives when we make poor decisions. So it's important to forgive ourselves. God does. 
Although Abraham and Sarah's servant did not do the research he probably should have, the marriage of Isaac and Rebekah seemed to work out, and God's promise to mend the world through these ordinary people would continue. I guess that emphasizes the point that God is mending the world despite our poor choices. Next week, we will hear the story of two children born to Rebekah and Isaac. Their names are Jacob and Esau. And talk about family dysfunction. This is one crazy family. And I guess that's the point. Because God is still present to them and works through them. We will learn that even though many bad decisions were made by both boys, God was still faithfully bringing health and wholeness, not only to the world, but to this dysfunctional family. Such is the way of God. Amen. Let us pray. Great and glorious God, we each have important decisions to make in our lives, and we pray that you would guide us with your external voice and that you would be present to us in the depth of our soul. Help us listen carefully to both ways you speak to us, O Lord, in your holy and most blessed name. Amen.